Welcome to Quick 10, a quick 10 minutes of NBA news today. It is July 15th, 2022, and last night on July 14th, 2022, the Phoenix Suns matched the offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers for DeAndre Ayton services. So he will be a member of the Phoenix Suns for at least a year. Based on the CBA agreement, he cannot be traded for a year without his approval. Um, not sure he might approve a trade, considering the fact that this took so long to get done. He might not necessarily be feeling the love from Phoenix. So him staying in the desert all season is likely probable, but it's possible he might uh, he might approve a trade if one came about and it was to a place that he thought he was going to be wanted and be utilized in the correct way. But that kind of puts a little bit of water on the fire for Kevin Durant to Phoenix. Phoenix trade offers for Kevin Durant, or Phoenix trade offers for Kevin Durant would have to almost have to include DeAndre Ayton. Would almost have to include him. Um, but because that contract has been signed and they kept him there, keeping their big three, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Devin Booker intact. Um, the move for Kevin Durant to Phoenix has probably that train's probably left the station. Okay, that train's probably left the station. In other news, Donovan Mitchell. Trade talks for Donovan Mitchell seem to be accelerating and seem to be getting pretty hot. We all saw Danny Ainge tear down the Boston Celtics in 2013 once he realized their window had closed. Loyalty to Paul Pierce, to Kevin Garnett, to anyone else who was still around, Rajon Rondo, went out the window and he went about doing his job. His job is to set the Boston Celtics up for success in the present and in the future. And now his job is to set the Utah Jazz up for success in the present and in the future. And it seems as though he's kind of washed his hands of the whole Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell experiment. We could tell that with him shipping Rudy Gobert out and receiving all those draft picks in return. They might not be high picks, but knowing Danny Ainge and the way he does business and the way he's done business as a GM, Taking four first-round picks, even if they're late-round picks, he might be able to try to combine those into getting something a little bit more beneficial for his team. But the Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell window in Utah seems to be closed. And right now, the main team trying to get their hands on Donovan Mitchell is his hometown, New York Knicks. Donovan Mitchell is signed to CAA. That is his representation. Knicks GM Leon Rose was working at CAA when Donovan Mitchell was drafted. And he's a New York guy. And it seems like a pretty solid move for New York if they're able to keep their hands on their current stars. Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett. But I can't see a trade happening without R.J. Barrett in return. I can't see Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge will play hardball. He will play hardball. And and what he has in his favor is that if he keeps Donovan Mitchell, there's a chance they don't make the playoffs. They've lost Joe Ingles. They've lost Rudy Gobert. They've lost Royce O'Neal. They've lost some pretty crucial pieces to their rotation. And the idea that they can even make the playoffs at this point is an outside shot. So they instantly have a higher chance of winning the lottery or getting a high pick if 
they just hold serve with their roster the way it is and just fill it out with vet minimum guys or something like that that they can move off of after this season. So Danny Ainge is probably not going to make that move unless he gets R.J. Barrett in return. I would guess he's going to want Andre Barrett and more than likely Cam Reddish as well. Two young guys that can get buckets, that can shoot the ball, that are willing defenders, maybe not necessarily able yet, but have the frame, have the athleticism, have the youth to get out there and guard people. Um, both of those guys are 22 years old. Both of them, uh, R.J. Barrett, 6'6", can guard anybody on the perimeter. Cam Reddish, 6'8", should be able to guard anybody on the perimeter and maybe even a four-man. And the Knicks, for this trade to make sense, though, they have to keep their hands on those two guys. R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, those guys, they're the building blocks of the future. Evan Fournier is 29, about to be 30. Guys usually kind of peak from 26 to 29. Um, Fournier, he's got game, good veteran player, but is he so valuable that you can't let him go in order to get uh, Donovan Mitchell in return? So, I would guess the Knicks starting next season, if they could, if they had their their way in this trade, their starting lineup would be R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, Cam Reddish, Julius Randle, and Donovan Mitchell, and they would just go small. That that if it were up to them, that's that's what they would do, and they would just go small and take a warrior style of basketball. I think Julius Randle could do all the same things Draymond Green does. He's skilled enough. He just has to be committed enough. Um, Draymond Green is not a 30-point scorer. I think Julius probably wants to score in the 20s and 30s every night, but that might not necessarily equate to winning when you have four guys that athletic on the perimeter playing with you. Setting them up for success really does set you up for success because one of the main criticisms we had of Draymond Green during the playoffs was this guy is open and he's not taking these good shots. And it was because he was so committed to getting his teammates good looks that he turned down better looks and Julius Randle's not that kind of guy not the kind of guy to turn down a good look to get someone else open but if you've got four guys on the floor like Barrett like Reddish like Donovan Mitchell Donovan Mitchell shot 35 percent from three last year that could be improved a little bit um, and if you've got that roster plus Jalen Brunson and Jalen Brunson an able shooter. It didn't shoot it the greatest, but is around 30%. If you've got that on the floor with Julius Randle, I could really see that lineup being being pretty deadly. Being pretty deadly in the East. It would they would have to figure out a way. The first thing they should do is just go watch tape on Golden State. Look at how these guys move without the ball. Now, do they have the cheat code that is Steph Curry? Absolutely not. Do they have the other cheat code? That is Clay Thompson from the Honda Arc. Absolutely not. But if they can just shoot 30 to 40%, 35%, and force defenses to run at you and try to run you off the line, then the entire floor opens up. Because if you've watched NBA basketball in the last 10, 15 years, you'll notice the, the game is moving away from set plays and is is moving more so into reacting to the way things happen so once a defense gets moving if you understand the way they're going to rotate it's really easy to know where the open man is going to be after you pump faked 
after you've drawn a defender, pump faked, and put the ball on the floor. If you watch enough film, you're going to know where their rotations are coming from. And then it's on you to make the right pass, and it's on your teammates to make the right cuts or slide to the open spot on the wing around the perimeter. And when they catch the ball, shoot it and make it. I think every coach in the NBA, every coach in the NBA, every coach in college, every coach in high school, they can sleep at night if they got open looks and the players just didn't make them. If you're not getting any open looks, it's you. If your team is getting open looks, your philosophy works on getting looks. This is not a shot-taking league. It's not a shot-taking game. It's a shot-making game. Okay, If you can get your team open looks, you have done your job. If you put them in the film room, show them where rotations usually come from, show them guys' habits, show them where to slip, show them where to cut, show them where to leak out, where to flare, and be open and just be ready. You are a professional. If you are a guard in professional basketball and you have the ball within 23 feet of the basket, if you are open, that shot should go in. If you're a guard in professional basketball within 23 feet of the basket, if you catch the ball and you are open and take a shot, it should go in. And if it doesn't, again, you are in the NBA for a reason. You are a professional. If you put the time in and put the practice in, they'll start going in. We have seen guys stretch their careers out and add years to their careers and make millions of dollars just because when they were wide open, they could make a 23-footer three to four out of ten times. Three to four out of ten. If you shoot 30% in the NBA from three-point line and you try to play defense, you're called a three and D guy and you're valuable. You don't even have to shoot 40%. Nobody ever shoots 50%. So if you can shoot 30 to 33, 34% from behind the line, and you just try to guard somebody, you use your fouls, okay? You step in and take a charge every now and then. We're going to consider you a defensive, valuable person, and we're going to call you a 3 and D guy. Like, let's consider this. Luka Doncic, I believe, averaged 35 points a game in the Western Conference Finals. And everyone thinks Andrew Wiggins stopped him. Everyone thinks they stopped him. Klay Thompson is considered a defensive player. He would guard the other team's best player all the time, especially before his injuries. But let's not forget, they were down against the Oklahoma City Thunder when he went off in that 30-point barrage in one quarter. They were down in that series because KD was doing whatever he wanted. They lost to Toronto because Kawhi Leonard in the first few games was doing whatever he wanted. Defense here, to be known as a defensive player, it's all about effort, man. Because these guys are the greatest players in the world. They're not really guardable. You can think you're guarding these guys. You're not ever actually guarding, right? What you're doing is making the shots tougher. You're not actually guarding Kevin Durant. You're not actually guarding Kyrie Irving or LeBron or Steph. Those guys are not guarded. Your job is to go out there and try to make that shot that normally for them is pretty easy, a little bit harder. right? And so the Knicks, they've really got to figure out what they can offer that will, at the very minimum, keep them competitive. Because if they give up Barrett and Reddish or both, they got some serious problems. Emmanuel quickly, 
good player, good young player. I could see them offering him. Miles McBride, solid, solid young player. Doesn't make a lot of money. Very tradable. But after that, what will they offer? Will they offer Mitchell Robinson? You need a backup big man. I guess Jericho Sims is athletic enough to do that. So if you can keep your hands on Jericho Sims, you could offer Mitchell Robinson. You could try to offer Derrick Rose, but I don't think Tom Thibodeau is going to ever want to let go of Derrick Rose. He was around when Derrick Rose was the guy that was the MVP, that was unstoppable, a freak athlete, making posters every night. I can still remember when he put Steve Nash on a poster. It's probably one of the better dunks I've ever seen, and it just showed his athleticism. He's a monster. He might be the most athletic guy I've ever seen in the NBA. So he's not going to want to let go of Derrick Rose. OB Toppin, hometown favorite. I'm not sure where where the value is that they will offer Utah without actually becoming a worse team. If if they let go of R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish, next year's starting lineup, we're looking at Evan Fournier, Derrick Rose more than likely, Julius Randle, Donovan Mitchell, and then who's your fourth? Who's your fourth? Obi Toppin? Obi Toppin. Good young player. Will be a role player in the NBA for a very long time. Average nine points. Came on strong toward the end of the season. Will he ever be a 20-point guy? I don't think so. I don't think so. And that, that's not an insult. That's just kind of not his game. He's going he's gonna to work his way to 15 points every night by being active on the glass, by running the floor, things like that. But where do you go? Where do you go with that lineup? You have no bench and you have four, you have four, start, four and a half starters. Obi Toppin's probably going to be a six-man in this league, maybe six-man of the year one day in this league. So it doesn't seem like it's beneficial to make that trade if you have to come off of your young guys with Barrett 22, Cam Reddish 22, you've got probably another eight years of those guys being really good. Their peak years are going to be between 26 and 29. And if you've got those guys, you've got a more polished Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson will be um, 30 or 32 when those guys are peaking. Uh, Julius Randle uh, will be mid-30s, maybe early 30s when those guys are peaking. You've got a window in about two years where if everyone improves and you can bring in Donovan Mitchell and kind of hold serve there, um, you can be really good. You can be very competitive. And and the the big threat will be the Boston Celtics. But by then, we're talking KD and Kyrie. KD will be 36, 37 by that time. Kyrie is turning 30, be a little bit older by that time. That's your window right there. Miami, Jimmy Butler, those guys will be a little bit old. That's your window in two to three years, but you've got to be able to hold on to your young talent. If I'm Leon Rose, I trade them every pick they want. I give them any pick they want as long as we can keep those guys. As long as we can, I will give them as many picks as they want. I don't care. I will give them a 2027 first round pick. Top pick. I'll give them a 2028 first round pick. 2029. I'll give them my first round picks for the next three or four years. You can always trade later and get picks back. That's the thing. It's hard to get talent back when you trade it. It's easier to get picks back when you trade it. 
right? You trade those away, you can go get them back. You can absolutely go get them back. There are ways to do that, okay? There are ways to do that. There's not a way to get back equal talent all the time, and the Nets are a prime example of that. They'd like to trade Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant would like to be traded. I'm sure they don't want somebody in the locker room that doesn't want to be there, but at the same time, they're not going to blow up their own house to make their neighbor happy. Kevin Durant, there's no equal value for him out there. So either Kevin Durant's going to have to really struggle the first 50 games of the year before the All-Star break so that value drops, or he's going to be a net. Point blank, period. And that's what Sean Marks and Joe Sy should do. Kevin Durant is looking out for himself, as he should, as all players should. The team has to look out for himself, as all, as all teams should. There's going to be a loser in this, and it's not going to be the Nets. It's just not going to be. And I don't really blame him. I don't really blame him. You can't sacrifice the future of your team to send a player away. You might be able to do that to bring one in. But you never sacrifice the future of your team to send a player away. And so the Knicks, it would seem that even if they can't get their hands on Donovan Mitchell, even if they can't get their hands on him, if they keep these guys together and next summer there's a free agent out there that they think can put them over the edge, that would probably be the way to do it. That would probably be the way to do it. That That's the most beneficial move for them um, if Danny Age is asking for R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish back in this trade. And Danny Ainge is not going to take an L on a trade either. And that's why I think this is it's it's hot. Both both entities might want it to happen. Mitchell might want to go there. The Nets might want to or the Knicks might want to bring him there. Danny Ainge might want to send him there. But Danny Ainge is not going to do it. The same way Sean Marks is not going to just ship KD out for pennies. Danny Ainge is not going to do that either. He's going to get equal or more value. Danny Ainge is a mob boss when it comes to trades, and he is usually the winner of a trade. I can't think of a trade that he did not win. Sean Marks, I can think of a couple trades he hasn't won. So I can see those guys wanting things. Um, I could see Leon Rose wanting Donovan Mitchell. I could see Donovan Mitchell wanting to be there. I could see New York wanting Donovan Mitchell. They passed on him in the draft a few years ago. Big mistake. But let's be real. If they trade away the house for Donovan Mitchell because they wanted to save picks in 2027, 2028, 2029, or whatever, they're not going to have their job in 2027, 28, and 29 anyway. They're going to get fired. So you got to figure out a way to do the deal. And if, if Utah and Danny Ainge are asking for picks, make the deal. Just make it. Make the deal. You can always, I tell people all the time, if you lose $20, you might walk outside and find $20. But if you lose a person that's valuable to you, a parent, uh, 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 a spouse who is extremely special to that understands you in a certain way, a best friend um, passes before their time, they are irreplaceable. You cannot replace people. You cannot replace talents that people have that make you happy or fulfill you. You cannot replace that. You can replace a pick. A pick is not a person yet. It's just a pick. It's just a pick. Who want, Let's say you're a uh, seventh seed. Who wants the 20th pick in a weak draft anyway? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants the 20th pick in a weak draft. Nobody. So get off of it and figure out what you can do. But if the Knicks can bring him there and keep their young talent 
intact, if they can keep him there or bring him there and keep their young talent intact, if they can make the money work, if they can make the numbers work, and if they're willing to get off some picks, they have to pull the trigger on it. They have to. It is the best chance that you have. It is the best chance that you have. And you've got to trade for guys. It seems as though you got to trade for guys in New York. You have to trade for them. Jalen Brunson picked New York. But how many superstars these days are picking New York when they're free agents? Almost none of them. Almost none of them. It's not the weather. Guys are going to Brooklyn. Nobody has a problem going to Brooklyn. It's something about the Knicks. Guys do not want to go there. They don't want to do it. So you got a will and deal, and you you got to kind of risk it all in terms of the draft. If you've got a good enough coach and you can find veterans and you've got cap space, the draft is only beneficial to you if you're going to be able to draft a superstar. But if you're winning games and you are not in the lottery and you're making deep playoff runs, you're not going to have the opportunity to draft a superstar anyway. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have a chance to draft Zion number one. A chance to draft DeAndre Aiden, number one. You're not going to have that anyway. So what do you want? Do you want draft capital so when you're bad, you can try to get a guy that might end up being good? Or do you want to trade for proven assets that will help you be good right now? Right now. I would much rather have a GM who is willing to risk draft picks and all this other stuff. than make sure and know that I have to have great scouts so we can win on the draft every year. I'd rather have a GM that can go get guys that can financially make things work, bring in veterans, bring in proven players, bring in guys who play defense, who can shoot it, bring in proven commodities, then need my scouting department to be the best in the NBA because we're always going to be near the top of the draft and we got to hit on one of these guys. It's just not happening. It's just not happening. All right, that's it for today. We will be back maybe.